reading, Christine's going to bring us our reading today from 1 Corinthians 12. Thank you. Morning. So this morning's reading is from 1 Corinthians, starting at chapter, uh, uh, chapter 12, starting at verse 12. Unity and diversity in the body. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all, all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ, who we were all baptised by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable and the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other, If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. So, so good to be back. So good to be back leading last week, but so good to be back preaching um, today for the first time in what seems like forever. Um, And I I, I love this piece of scripture, and it's a well-known passage of scripture, but uh, I've not preached on it for quite some time, and um, uh, although I did make reference to it, I think, in a a recent update that we did. And if you you know it at all, you'll know that Paul is writing to the the Christians in Corinth, um, and he's using the imagery of a body. Um, And it's, it's picture language that any human can understand and can relate to well. Um, And anyone who has lost a part of their body or lost the function of a part of their body, um, well, you will get it, especially so. And as we we start this week's passage, it, it, um, it underscores the title of the series about living all in. Um, And in the first two verses, we we see the words one and all um, used repeatedly. Just as a body, though one, is made up of all its many parts, 
and we are all baptised by one spirit. And whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, all were given the one spirit to drink. And this follows, um, interestingly, follows Paul's teaching on um, uh, communion, uh, where we all come together. We are, we are many and we come together to share that one meal. Um, and whether Jews or Gentiles or slaves or free, Paul makes a, a contrast. These, these two are poles apart, Jews and Gentiles, slaves and free, are poles apart. He's talking about diversity and difference but not division. They're different, and yet they're one. The third verse continues in the same vein, that the body is not made up of one part, but of many. All and yet one. As we continue through the passage today, there are four things that um, that I want us to notice Um, And I want to invite the the Spirit to challenge us and to change us where appropriate. So, Father God, would you open up our ears to hear what you have to say to us today? Lord, would you open up our hearts to receive from you today? And, Lord, may you challenge us as we hear your word, as we we unpack it. Um, Lord, would you speak to each one of us individually, we pray. But speak individually, Lord, for the benefit of the whole. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And the, um, the first thing that I want us to notice that is, it's very clear in this uh, passage of Scripture that there is no place for self-doubt. No place for self-doubt. I wonder if you've ever doubted yourself. Um, I know that I have. Um, <coughs> And, and even, um, even the most confident individual, uh, even the most narcissistic individual will, will challenge themselves. They will, will have this sense of, uh, of self-doubt. Even the most confident individual in, in the one moment will have moments where they doubt who they are or what they're capable of. Um, and I'm sure we've all had at times that feeling of, I'm not good enough. And it's usually when we compare ourselves to others. Actually, if we, if we just think about ourselves, I don't think it happens quite so often. Um, but it's when we compare ourselves to others that we get that sense that I'm not good enough, or what I've got is not good enough. We, we compare our, our car to our neighbour's car. We compare our marriage to our friend's marriage, or our job to our colleague's job. And then we start to think, well, actually, I I want what they've got because what I've got is not good enough. We doubt ourselves. We doubt the things that we have. And it's not just a a modern-day issue um, in our self-obsessed and selfie-obsessed culture. Um, In the early 1900s, Theodore Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy. That when we compare what we have or who we are to someone else and what they have, then our joy is stolen away because we start to desire the wrong thing. When we compare ourselves to others, we begin to think that we're not good enough. We compare ourselves to somebody else's life group. Oh, well, my life group's not, not nearly as good as that life group. We compare our area of ministry to somebody else's area of ministry or, or service. We compare 
our spiritual gift to a gift that somebody else has got. And we'll say, well, actually, I'm not, I'm not good enough. But Paul challenges that here in verses 15 and 16. He says, well, they might say, I'm just a foot, but because I'm not a hand, I'm not good enough. I don't belong to the body. I'm just a foot. Because I'm just an ear, I'm not an eye, and that means I'm not good enough to be a part of the body. But Paul goes on to say, whatever you think, that is no reason to stop being a part of the body. In the body of Christ there is no place for self-doubt. There should be no place for comparison. And crucially, as Paul says, there is no opt-out clause. All parts of the body are needed. However important or otherwise we might think they are, all parts of the body are needed, just as the toolkit earlier. There's, I mean, there's an awful lot of stuff in there that I don't know what to do with. Um, but I have no doubt that every single bit has a function. Even the little Velcro strap on the side that I couldn't work out earlier is there for a reason. The same is true with us and our place in the body of Christ. There's no opt-out clause and there's no place for self-doubt. And as we read on, we see that there's no place for self-sufficiency either. Paul says, um, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? If the whole body were an appendix or a funny bone, then where would we be? We need the diversity in the body. We need every single part of it. We can't say, I'm good enough on my own, I can fulfil all those parts. If the whole body were a steward, what would Sunday morning look like? I'm not having a go at stewards. If the whole body were a drummer, I'm not having a go at drummers either, but you get the point. If we were all drummers this morning, this would look very different. If the whole body were an ordained minister, what would it look like? I mean, we are all ministers, but what would it look like? We could, we could play this game all day. The point is that we don't just need one person who is sufficient on their own. We need the breadth of the body, the breadth of the functions that God has given us. All parts of the body are needed and all have their own part to play. All have a vital contribution to make. In verse 19, Paul says, if they were all one part, where would the body be? But as it is, he says, there are many parts which make up that one body. And the title of this passage in the the, um, NIV is Unity in Diversity. We are different and yet we are together. (coughs) Excuse me. Unity in diversity. Not one of us is good enough on our own. We need each other. There's no place for self-doubt. There's no place for self-sufficiency to say, I am enough on my own. There's no such thing as an orphan Christian. You can't be a Christian and not be part of the body of Christ. 
The third thing I want us to notice is that this talks about um, God's upside down kingdom. In verses 22 and 23, uh, Paul says, On the contrary, those parts of the body which seem to be the weaker are indispensable. And the parts of the body that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. And this immediately made me think of the, the upside down nature of the kingdom of God. And, and Jesus who says that the servant is the master. Um, and Jesus who, who won whilst dying. It doesn't make any sense. It's the wrong way, it's the wrong way around. It's upside down. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. He talked about using the foolish to shame the wise. He talked about power being made perfect in weakness. God's kingdom is an upside down kingdom. It's the, it's the opposite way to the way that we think things should function. And Paul makes that point here. He says, the least presentable, the least honourable, the weaker are to be treated the best. They're to be honoured the most. So wherever you sit in the body of Christ or in the body of RBC, whether you are just a drummer, just a steward, just an ordained minister, whatever you would put after, I am just, there is no weaker part. There is no unimportant part. There is no function that's not necessary in the body of Christ. The least presentable, the least honourable, the weaker are to be treated the best. They're not considered an an add-on to be tolerated, but they too are indispensable, as is every other part of the body. Treated with special honour. So there is no place for self-doubt because the lowest will be lifted up. So if you're doubting whether you've got what it takes, you have got what it takes because you've got what God has given you and what God has gifted you with. And if you still consider yourself the lowest, then it's for the rest of us to lift you up. There's no place for self-doubt. And the question is, well, why? Because that makes no earthly sense. But we find the answer in verse 24. It goes on. So having said about the, the weaker parts, Um, being indispensable and the least honourable part being given special honour. Paul goes on to say, uh, because God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts which lacked it, so that, this is the purpose, so that there will be no division in the body, but that its parts will have equal concern for each other. The strongest holding up the weakest, the least honourable given the greatest honour. Those with the least skill being applauded and encouraged. The ones who feel least worthy crowned with glory. It's part of God's design. He has put us together. He's created us to be the people that we are and he's created us to be the body that we are. Both in this place, here and now, and the the global body of Christ too. And there is diversity in the body. There is distinction and difference in the body. We're all different with different strengths and different abilities. But he has created the body in order that there would be no division. 
that the weakest and the strongest would work together. Paul used the example earlier of the slave and the free. And the free should be the ones who are releasing the the slaves. There is diversity and distinction and difference, but there is no division in the body. Because it's put together by God's design. Um, And as with the human body in all of its intricacies that we would, you know, we're not going to go into this morning, um, and its exquisite perfection in so many ways, the same is true of the body of Christ, the church family. Perfect in its design and all part of God's master plan for humanity. God has put the body together, the creator working in his creation. And I, I, I don't often delve into the Greek. I was never trained in Greek. I don't, I don't do it, but I, I found this fascinating this week as I was reading. Somebody, somebody was talking about the verb tense. Lost me almost nearly already. Um, and, and you know that there's like past tense, something that's happened. There's present tense, something that's happening. There's uh, future tense, something that's going to happen. Um, there's, uh, there's another one which is kind of ongoing. I forget what it's called. And then there's this one. Um, God has put the body together and it's called the aorist tense. And you don't need to remember that. But note this, it's not past or present or future. It's two things. It's active and it's outside of time. So it's not God did it back then or God's going to do it. It's just God has done it outside of time, beyond all time. Before the beginning and the end, God did it. God designed us to be this way. He created the body to be put together in this way. And he did it so that there would be no division. With a very specific purpose. And when we think about that language of putting the body together, um, the psalmist talks about us being knitted together in our mother's womb. But different translations have some different language, which I think is quite helpful as we think about it. Um, God has put together or placed the parts together. Somebody called it um, like being composed, like a symphony. You don't just throw it together, you craft it, you work at it. Um, You don't want the the sounds to clash, they want to be harmonious with one another. Um, If you are a chef, another person talked about it like blending ingredients together, blending flavours together to enrich the whole Uh, Or to mix, as if mixing paint together to create a new shade. Uh, Somebody referred to it as co-mingling. We won't go into that this morning. Um, uh, Or combining or uniting together. And there's one translation of scripture that that uses the word that we are tempered together. Uh, And if you think about um, tempered glass, tempered glass is layer upon layer upon layer. Um, And the main reason that you temper glass is for its strength. We are each individual parts of the body tempered together, layer upon layer upon layer, to give it its strength. God has intentionally designed the human body and the body of Christ, the church, in order that there would be no division, that they would all, the many, be one that they would all have equal concern for one another. (coughs) Which brings us to our our final point. 
uh, in verses 25 and 26. Um, And I didn't have a good title for this one, so I've gone with I, my, we, me. That was the best I could do, but let me try and unpack that and explain it. Um, as, we, as we think about the body, as the, the church family, um, this is probably the most important part. Paul says if, if one part of the body suffers, every other part suffers with it. Now, if I, if I have a problem with my, my body, notice that I say, I have a pain in my knee. I don't say, the knee has a pain. I have a pain in my knee. I'm speaking as a representative of the whole body and I own that pain. It's my mouth that's speaking it, but it's not the mouth's pain, but the mouth acknowledges that the pain is there. It's part of that that one body. I acknowledge that this pain is mine and I have a pain that I feel in my knee. If one part of the body suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part of the body is in pain, we, the whole body, should own and acknowledge the pain and the suffering of that part. Not necessarily specifically to try and ease that pain, because that's not always possible or appropriate immediately, but we must not pretend that it doesn't exist. And then conversely, two weeks ago, we, we celebrated um, when Stuart was ordained um, and last week when he graduated from Spurgeon's College. Now, he did the hard work. I mean, some of us did some of it. We had to work with him for three years, all of us. Um, but he did the hard, hard work, but he was rightly acknowledged for that and yet we got to celebrate with him. He did the work, but we got to celebrate with him. If one part of the body is in pain, the whole body should feel and own that pain. If one part is honoured, every part should rejoice with it. So we are one body made up of many parts. There's no place for self-doubt. There's no place for self-sufficiency because we're all reliant on each other. We are representative of the upside-down nature of the Kingdom of God. And we each need to own and acknowledge the pain and the honour that is given to each part. So what does that look like as we are living all in? As we as as Christ's body in this place are living all in together? Well in the staff team, um, if one part of the body has a gammy leg, the others will step in and they will fill the gap. They will care for the rest of the body. They will conduct funerals and lead gatherings and reorganise countless meetings and give lifts to other parts of the body which are unable to transport themselves. That's what it looks like. The whole body, the staff team in that example, all pulling together when one part is weaker. What does that look like in team ministry? Well, in team ministry, if, uh, if one part of the body has COVID and can't conduct an ordination, then other parts will step in and they will represent the church, they will tell the story, they will lead the service, they will organise the barbecue, etc, etc, etc. But what does it look like in our church family? If, If one part of the body has received difficult news, then others step in to listen and to console 
and to help carry the load. If one part of the body is being attacked, the rest of the body will stand in the way and pull the knives out of the back and patch up the wounds. If one part of the body is undergoing long-term treatment for an aggressive illness, the other parts of the body will step up and step in and will pray and will provide lifts and meals and encouragement and gifts and cards, selfless love and practical support. If one part of the body is being slandered, then other parts will remind them that their identity is secure in Christ. If one part of the body is caring for a loved one and lacking strength, the other parts of the body will step in and care for the carer. If one part of the body grieves, we all grieve together. If you are part of the church family, the body of Christ, there is no place for self-doubt because there's no unimportant part of the body. There's no place for self-sufficiency because we all need each other and there is no opt-out clause. Everyone has a valuable part to play, a vital contribution to make. There is difference and there is distinction, but there can be no division. God designed it specifically so that if we are functioning as he always intended, there would always be unity in the midst of our diversity. That we would be different, but all together. That we would be many parts, but always one. We're going to watch a a video to help us reflect on uh, what it looks like when one part of the body has to rely on another, um, and just what's possible when they do. Thank you.
I'm going to invite the band to come back and join me. Um, Together has power. Don't run alone. Um, And um, there was a a good example of of how we support one another in the body just now. Suddenly realised again that there's no there's no speaking on that video, um, just text. And so bless her, Jones sitting over there not being able to engage with it. So I I ran over, (laughs) ran, sorry, I hobbled over um, and uh, and just just shared the story with her and read some of the text to her. Uh, In the same way that some of you have grabbed me a cup of coffee because I can't carry it for myself. And although, you know, endless, endless other ways that we do um, support one another and step in where one another is, uh, where one is weak and another is stronger. Um, nothing that I've said this morning is a, uh, a suggestion that we're not doing it because we are doing it but we need to continue to do it we need to continue to be many people, many parts of his one body and together we will do great things in his name and for his glory Thank you.